Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Saw Tom Mertz today, and looks at, Tom looks at me and says, Who has Hyundai? And I said, Sunbury Motors does. Great pre-owned inventory as well. It's all at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Getting for Gardner. This should get it done. Deep fly ball, right field. Miller back, turns, looks, and it is a walk-off single for Ryan Lamar, and the Yankees win 6-5. to five. So the Yankees now won four in a row. They got uh, Femway tonight with the Red Sox. They are making it uh, difficult for Brian Cashman to decide what to do. Are you buyers or sellers? So there you go. Um, And that's going to be an interesting dilemma for them. They keep winning like this, they have to be buyers. If now they hit a rut in the road with the Red Sox and the Rays being next, then what do you do? Do you sell? We'll find out. All right, the Olympics begin tomorrow. Matt made a huge deal out of how he needs to see the opening ceremony, so I reminded him he had to go to his in-laws. <laughs> That's just, right. I just I don't I I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> Whoops. Not only that, but imagine Matt's shock when he found out that Suitcoin is not taken by most retailers. In fact, let's be honest about it. It's not taken by any retailers. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. That's what I pay. Suitcoin. Which stock exchange is it on? I got a blank stare. All right. So let's talk about the Olympics for a moment. The Olympic men's volleyball team has a chance at a medal. They go in ranked number five in the world. Mark Pavlik of the uh, Nittany Lions joins us because there are three members that of the Nittany Lions are on the team, two primary, one alternate. Pav, welcome. You never guess who I saw last week. I, I've heard, and you have my deepest sympathies and apologies. Your son's a great dude. He's, he's great. We had, a, we had a few laughs for him to go back on. For the next inning. Uh, he's awesome. I told him how much I loved the Christmas special. It was great. <laughs> well, yeah, he came home and he said that uh, he had to get up and catch a couple of foul balls with Ray. And he says, and Steve Jones was up there. And so. <laughs> well, uh, the Olympics become personal for you again because you have you know three of your guys there, two that are there, one is an alternate. Uh, Matty Anderson is the first athlete I can think of non-football 
that left early to turn pro. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that. Uh, when you had him, when did you sense you had a talent that was transcendent, generational? I, I think it was probably at the end, the, the last six weeks of his sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, at that point, we had him at opposite, and uh, he was just he he his game went to another level, and that's where I think we knew that he was something pretty special. Now you see what he's done. When you look at the level he is at now. What are you seeing now that you know, makes him not just the one of the best this country has, but what any country would want to have? You know, I, I think it's just a commitment to competitive discipline. I mean, you don't reach that level. As, as you well know, with all the, the amazing people you've been around, you don't reach that level unless you really take a a holistic approach to how you live your life. And and I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges for any collegiate athlete to enter into the professional ranks to really become quote unquote what do you do with them? what do you do with nutrition? You know, how do you handle relationships within and outside uh, your sports world? And to me, the most impressive thing about Matt is how he has gone through the good times, bad times, and he just keeps getting better and better as a professional. That uh, you know, you just—it's it, so refreshing to see. Which is which is obviously phenomenal to see what he has done, what he's meant to the program, and not only that, but he he. What does it mean to you that he embraces the program to this day? I just think it's it's everything you want from a Penn State student athlete is they get older and wiser and you know they're they've been out of here longer than they have been here and they look back on all the opportunities presented to them by this university by this athletic department. And I think when it really begins to resonate to them how blessed they have been to be surrounded by the people that we're able to surround them with. This will be Matt's yeah. third third Olympic Games, by the way, London, Rio, and now Tokyo. Uh, Max Holt. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Max is the one that's serving when the lights go on in Rec Hall. And then as a freshman, as a freshman, and then drop as and the lights come back on right after midnight, and and he drops mm. and he he bangs the serve right in, right? Yeah. Is, do I have that sequence of my memory yep, correct? As I sat there, yeah, yes, it's exactly <laughs> the way that it happened, Max. It, uh, and we had we had sub for Max his previous rotation. Because Max's freshman year, you, you never knew what you were going to get when he jumps her. Right, I know. <laughs> I, I, I think he missed like six in a row leading up to that. Right. And then lights go out for 14 minutes, and he steps back up to the line, tosses the ball, hits the ace, and matches home. Yeah. So, and it's on to the uh, finals. That's Max. <laughs> it's on to the finals. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
that that's Max, and he was one of the last people cut for London. Yeah. So there was there was the opportunity for him to almost be in his third, but he has established himself as one of the one of the top middle blockers in the world too. So really looking forward to seeing these guys play. What have you what have you seen in Max's development now once he's been with the national team? What has come out of him just with a, with maturity? I think more than anything else is he's really learned how to use the athletic ability that he has. Um, as a friend, we only had him and Nate Meerstein as our two middles. So there was there was no question that Max was going to step foot in this gym and be a middle blocker. Had we had any sort of depth in the middle that year, yeah. We could use Max as an as an opposite, as an outside hitter. He is that good an athlete, and he is just. I think he's taken that that ability to move that he's always had, and he's made it work for him against other guys in the world that are just as good, if not a little bit better than he is. And he he holds his own with any middle in the world. You and I have talked about Aaron Russell many times. Um, he is an Olympic alternate. What does the elevation to at least to this level to alternate, despite the disappointment of not being one of those participating now, what can it mean to him moving forward that he's at the alternate stage? Well, the reason he's at the alternate stage is he suffered a hip injury uh, in Italy uh, during the professional season. He had surgery in, I want to say, mid-April. Right. And uh, it was significant enough that he, his availability for the Olympics were in question. So what I understand now is the, the surgery was, was very successful. He, his rehab has enabled him to do just about everything on the volleyball court except play six on six. Right. So I think more than anything else, had, had he not been injured, he, he, Maddie, and Max are all starting. So I think this is one of those times where more than anything else, in my opinion, in an athlete's world that can really rock it is an injury. And and Aaron had a sprained ankle at one point, but I think any of us that have played the game, you, you roll your ankle at some point. Sure. This one, I think, is one of those times where you – as an elite athlete, you really find out what you want to do and how you want to do it by overcoming a major setback like this injury. And I, I think this is going to be one where if Aaron, in, in talking to him since the surgery, he seems to be in a very good place. He's disappointed that he's probably not going to get the opportunity to compete in Tokyo. But he's just thrilled that from here on out, his hip is in, in, right. is in great shape. And, and he's probably going to be on the court in France. And it wouldn't be surprised if he's on the court in L.A. in 28. Pat, when you look at the men's volleyball team, these things are can be hard to predict, obviously, who gets hot, who's not. But where does the U.S. men's volleyball team, you think, fit right now heading into this tournament? Well, we're currently number five in the world. And... The Olympic competition is set up with two 16 divisions. Top four finishers square off and 
you know, the, the, the standard one, four, two, three quarterfinals down to the semis, down to the gold medal match. Our pick one, they did favors to any of the teams in our bracket, which we've got number one, Brazil, number three, Russia, number four, France, number five, U.S., uh, number eight, Argentina, and number 16, Tunisia. The other bracket, Poland is ranked number two in the world right there, and the next highest ranked team in their bracket is Italy at nine, Canada 10, Japan at 11, Iran at 12, and Venezuela at 33. So Who set this up? We're going to have... Yeah, <laughs> set exactly. Who set this up for? <laughs> well, if he, if he would have set it up, he probably would have put yeah, Russia it, in that it, other it, bracket, right? Russia would be in the other bracket, yeah. <laughs> So oh it it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. The US's first match will be against France. If they can pull a win out there, yeah. I think that puts them in, in pretty good shape considering that they've they've had their way with Argentina and Tunisia over the last five or six years. So if they can do that and get themselves in the top four, then the crossover any one of those four, I think the the semi the, the quarterfinal is going to be an easier matchup than the round robin play would have been for them. So I think we're in pretty good shape. You've got, of course, Max and Maddie, Micah Christensen's back running the offense, David Smith's the other uh, middle, uh, Taylor Sander from the former BYU star. Yep has returned from back injury and played in the, the Volleyball Nations League really well. The question is going to be who takes over Aaron's spot. Right. And in the Volleyball Nations League, which ran from mid-May until mid-June over in Italy, uh, Coach Broad did a real nice job of getting different lineup combinations in there. Not, I think our starters, in quotes, played for three out of 15 matches so I think he's going in with a pretty good idea of okay here's here's my priorities for that other outside hitter and if we can find somebody that can handle the ball pretty well with the serving they're going to face in that in their bracket right. and can put balls away uh, I think we're going to be in a pretty good shape to get on the medal stage my friend, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope to see you soon. Yeah. we got to catch some foul balls. Yeah, that's exactly right. We'll do that. Yeah. In fact, I'll let you, you catch know. them. You can hand them to me. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I don't know if, if Ray's reactions are getting any slower because he is getting a little bit older, but I just think we got to get more action up there in that box. Well, you should see him try to get a foul ball now. They start playing the theme to Chariots of Fire as he's moving to it. Right, so. <laughs> yeah, either that or the Titanic. One the <laughs> either way, one of the two. Iceberg dead ahead. All right. <laughs> My friend, thanks so much. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Hey, we'll we'll see you soon. I'll make sure I get up there. You take care. We'll talk to you later. Sounds soon. great. Mark Pavlik, men's volleyball coach. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, possible SEC expansion, Texas, Oklahoma, Big Ten Media Day. A lot to talk about as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This was not a perfect time for us in the conference, but it was productive. I know I personally learned 
many important lessons, and I feel that we grew stronger together as a conference. We were responsible at the conference office for creating, planning, and implementing 18 sports schedule across the conference. And thanks to leadership, our return to competition task force, which was chaired by Dr. Jim Borchers at The Ohio State University and Sandy Barber, the athletics director at Penn State University, we were able to complete 1,843 out of the 2,000 games and competitions that were scheduled. That constitutes 92% success rate. All true and all commendable. No question about it. Um, I go back to our conversation about it a year ago. I felt the Big Ten should have started on September 26th. I have not changed my mind about it, but I do commend them for what they did. What is interesting about what happened sports-wise last year is this. I'll tell you an area where I sat back a year ago and looked at it and said, okay, let's get through. I think my exact words were, um, I would have loved to have seen the NFL have a preseason game, which they didn't. But I would like to see get through week zero, week one, and also maybe a week or two of the NFL season, and then see how it plays out. No, let somebody else play first. Because I wanted to see what would happen in competition. I haven't changed my mind about that, and I also thought that Penn State. I also thought the Big Ten should have started September 26th, not October 24th. And you know what it turned out? I mean, the biggest surprise to me of all, competition did not translate to positives. Yeah, Matt, that that took me aback. That like I thought for sure, okay, you're in there, you're nobody's masked up, they're going at it, you know, just sweat and you know, breathing, spit, everything, right? Nope. Yeah, that was the same it, for me, too. In all sports, not just football. In all sports. In all sports. It did not translate to competition. That was the darndest thing about it. I think, uh, I think they're making the right move with letting the schools set their own protocols. I, I, I have no problem with that. Zero. I think that's the right move for Kevin Warren and the conference to make. Um, I think he needs to be a little more bullish on the 12-team playoff. I think he needs, you know, and I think you need to take a long, hard look at what's going on. Now, expansion-wise, again, the only way that you're going to have a mass move in expansion is if somebody sues the grant of rights. You're going to have to sue. I mean, I see people throw things, hey, North Carolina, Virginia. Guys, they have a grant of rights. They would have to sue to get out of it. You just don't, I mean, these these issues are exponentially more complicated than people realize. And the reason people don't realize it is that you've got people that sit in these chairs that don't, do, don't explain any of it. Who's better, Giannis or Middleton? Great, that's four hours. Fabulous. Let's go round and round about that. That's great. Did Chris Paul retire? Great. Fabulous. Okay. I I just don't have a lot of tolerance 
for that. To me, that that's 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 acting like your audience is dumb. The audience is smart. They want to know these things. They want to know. Okay, I hear North Carolina, Virginia going to the Big Ten. What do you think? And they explain to them that they'd have to have a legal challenge to do it because of the grant or rights they signed through 2036. That's what somebody in this chair needs to do. You need to do that. Hence, they should move to the ACC. Explain how flatlined the TV deal is. You got to do that. You just can't do the show on emotion. You got to do the show like giving some people information. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. I mentioned earlier, I saw Tom Mertz today. He looks over me, he says, Who has Hyundai? And I said, Sunbury Motors does. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. So, when it comes to the ACC, the only uh, way for someone to make a move out of the uh, ACC is to do it legally. They would have to do it by suing. That's the only way they could do it. Uh, Simple as that. And the because they're all locked into 2036. They're all locked into 2036. So where are the possibilities? Now, Oklahoma and Texas are the brands. Now, these are about brands, markets, and football. Basketball is a secondary consideration here. No other sports are consideration. I remember one time, and I say this with all due respect, somebody was talking to me about UConn. Said, well, they would get women's basketball. No, They were talking about expansion. I said, technically you are correct, but it is not even remotely a consideration. Because that doesn't get you any money. This is, you know, in order to get more money, it is about brands, okay? It is about brands markets, and football. That's what's driven every expansion. Whatever else you get out of it's a bonus, but that's what drives it. The ACC, when Maryland moved, Maryland had to pay a $50 million exit fee. It was that point the ACC made the decision to go to the grant of rights model, which was already incorporated by the Big 12 because the Big 12 was getting raided left and right. Nebraska went to the Big 10. Colorado went to the Pac-12. Missouri and Texas A&M went to the SEC. So that so the Big 12 came up with the grant of rights. The Big 12, two years ago, discussed 
extending the grant of rights and decided not to do it. Decided not to do it. And now they're having an emergency meeting tonight to discuss this. But that's what this comes down to. Anybody, if you think anybody can move willy-nilly, they can't. Now, for example, I've had people talk to me about Penn State and the ACC. Could Penn State do it? Sure they could. Penn State's grant of rights runs out in 23 with the TV contract. Well, you're not going to leave this conference to go there. What are you going to do that for? How many sports you have to drop to do it? You're going to lose about 17 to $20 million a year? The ACC, because of their TV contract and really the limited reach right now, the ACC network, has an upward trajectory on its TV numbers. But that upward trajectory is a slow climb. The Big Ten, in its last TV deal, took a quantum leap and has another opportunity to take another quantum leap. I mean, the Big Ten could get up to, when it's all said and done, each school can end up with $70 million a year if it is done right. That's why that had to be a primary question today for Kevin Warren, and nobody asked the question. How can you do that? That's the whole ball game. Yes, you need to be asked about protocols. That was asked. You need to be asked about that. You need to be asked about the 12-team playoff. You need to be asked. Uh, you need to be asked about Oklahoma, Texas. You need to be asked. But you got to ask about the TV deal. When uh, have you started negotiations? If you haven't, when is the window to begin negotiations? Idealistically, when do you want them completed? A year from now, you really do need to have it either done or near the finish line. A year from now. And that is, that's the bottom line of this. Now, the grant of rights, there are very few brands out there that are, I mean, and we talk about this all the time, brands, brands, brands. Texas and Oklahoma are brands. Penn State's a brand. Uh... USC is a brand. The problem with USC, let's, let, so let's take this in chronological order now. So make it easy for everybody. When you bring up Notre Dame, Notre Dame is a complicated situation, but Notre Dame's grant of rights for every sport, including men's basketball, goes through 2036. Football, I don't think football falls under that category with the ACC. They have their own deal with NBC. They are committed to playing five ACC games a year. So, But with the other sports, there is a grant of rights you'd have to deal with through 2036. So, let's, so for the moment, we'll take Notre Dame off the table. You can't do anything with anybody in the ACC unless they make the decision to go to court and sue about the grant of rights. Everybody the Big Ten, okay? The TV deal is up in 2023. You're saying, well, that's two years from now. But again, you really need to have a TV deal that is in place between now and, I'd say, 16 months from now. That really needs to be the time frame. 
that a new TV deal is announced. That includes, as Mark Wogenrich pointed out, streaming rights, things like that. So it's, right now they have TV deals with Big Ten Network, obviously. Now that deal doesn't have to be negotiated. That deal goes into the 2030, so the Big Ten Network's already set. you got Big Ten Network, ESPN, which is ABC, ESPN2, you know, whatever. Fox, which is Fox Sports 1, so forth. And there is a CBS basketball component that is a part of this. And the CBS basketball component includes Sunday afternoon games and also includes the Big Ten basketball tournament semifinals and championship game. All right? So those are the TV deals that they have. This runs out in 2023. Right, so now let's take the Big Ten aside because nobody's leaving the Big Ten. I mean, I'm sorry, you don't look at the printing press and say, "Gee, I want a different, I want a different lower-paying printing press." You just don't do that. It's that it's that simple. So now you look at the Big Twelve, which we've talked about, and the grant of rights runs out in 25. But there's another one, the Pac-12. The grant of rights runs out in 24. Ooh. Now, distance plays a role in this. The most attractive brand by far in the Pac-12 is USC. doesn't matter that Oregon's playing better or anything like that. The brand is USC. Other teams may win, but USC is still the most powerful brand. But distance plays a role. Los Angeles. Yikes. So now, let's go to what could be more realistic for the Big Ten. What's more realistic? Number one, maybe standing pat at 14 is most most realistic. And as I pointed out, it's got to be a brand that brings something to the table. Do they bring with it the brand name? Do they bring with it the mar- any markets? Do they bring with it football? So let's take some examples. West Virginia. I'd vote no in a heartbeat. But West Virginia. Football's good. Not great, but it's good. Brand is really doesn't move the needle. Charleston is a top 50 market, even though it's at the very southern part of the state and Morgantown's in the north. But they would, okay, but Charleston is a, like, I think Charleston's like 44, 45, something like that. Okay. So not really, to me, serious, but we'll keep it on the table. You'll hear the name Pitt brought up. Market? Oh, wait a minute. Penn State already brings that. Okay. Brand. There's not a lot of brand power. And then three football footballs, good, not great. Iowa State. Right? Brand. It's okay. Market. You've got Iowa already in the state. You already have all the markets. You're done. Football. Certainly the last two years, Matt Campbell's done a great job. But still, it's it is what it is. You're running out of options here. 
Kansas. Now, as a basketball brand, oh, man, you're talking about one of the elite basketball brands ever. But, again, the football brand is just almost unspeakable. You know, there was a point in time in the late 60s where Kansas was terrific. Mark Mangero did a good job with Kansas. But for the most part, they've had a lot of bad teams, and more recently, they really just haven't even remotely been good. Basketball-wise, they're top shelf. Markets. They can get you the Kansas City market, even though I know Kansas City, there's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri. But the Kansas City, Missouri market has always been tilted toward Kansas anyway. Okay? Now, you would not get, because Kansas City, Missouri is in Missouri, you would not get the benefit of the Kansas City, Missouri market getting triple the rate on carrying the Big Ten network or being in the footprint. So keep that in mind. But you do have Kansas City, Kansas, good-sized city, Wichita. All right. There's not much out there, guys. I mean, Oklahoma State could be a... Is Oklahoma State a possibility? Maybe. Maybe. And then there's Colorado. I brought up Colorado earlier. And I thought it was important to bring them up. Number one. Every single... The Big Ten is connected all the way through. You brought in Maryland and Rutgers, they border Pennsylvania. You brought in Penn State, they border Ohio. You brought in Nebraska, Nebraska borders Iowa. Okay. Well, Colorado borders Nebraska. They also bring with it the Denver market. Talking about a top 10 TV market. And while Colorado is not going to be considered like a well brand, it's a better brand than Iowa State. It's a better brand than West Virginia. It's a better brand than Pitt. It's a better brand than Kansas. I'm talking about football. It's a better brand. And they've got the TV market. And, by the way, Colorado's also, yeah, it may not be awesome, but Colorado's good in basketball. They made the NCAA tournament last year. Um, you know. So I just think that, you know, I mean, believe it or not, that'd be one of the first ones I'd look at would be Colorado. Because their grant of rights would be up in 2024. Now, you know, now where do you, you know, again, I just don't know where you go with this, with Texas and Oklahoma. Do you just stand pat? And with 14, which I think would be acceptable, absolutely acceptable moving forward. Because you've got enough in the tank with your 14 where the pie is going to expand and everybody's going to get a bigger cut anyway. So, something to think about. There's a lot to think about. 
and it's more complicated than just we're moving. The grant or rights deal has complicated any thoughts of moving. It was put in place to keep you from moving. That's why we've taken giving you this roadmap. So when you got people say, "Well, they ought to do this, they ought to do that," look, you could say they ought to do whatever you want, but you got to know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't give the audience bad information. All right, take a break. Back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today as we continue here on New Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Soup coin. I don't understand you. If I can tell you not to do it. Yeah. Hey, this happened during the Dogecoin thing. Hey, it's. S-U-I-T, hey, hey, you... that spells Suda! Now, now you're going away for the weekend. You got none. <laughs> Nobody takes it. I feel awful for you. Daddy, could we have some candy? I'm sorry, all we have is soup coin. <laughs> but you know what? Kevin Warren would also call that productive. Look, Kevin Warren answered certain questions today. Um, such as the vaccination question, uh, the protocol question. Now, that was an important question to answer, that everybody is going to set their own protocols. Each school, they'll have the conference review them. That was an important answer. Now, I don't expect them to sit there and volunteer the TV thing. you got to be asked about it. People sitting at Lucas Oil Stadium, that's on them. They need to ask the question, didn't do it. So I sat there go, when's the TV question coming up? When's it coming up? When's it coming up? Never happened. That's not his fault. It's not, it's not his responsibility to volunteer it. Um, the 12-team playoff could have given a more expansive instead of an I don't know answer than that. But the, the answer on protocols had substance to it. And I thought that was that was the best answer and an important answer that he gave today. Uh, James Franklin 
Says he's talked with Noah Kane. He likes what he sees on the videos. Boom. Okay, fine. That starts August 6th. I thought, I thought Noah was starting to look better and better in the spring anyway. Lonnie White. It's back and forth as to what's going on with him. You have until August 1st to sign. Um, but James wants to give, like, I think you have until August 1st to sign your contract off this draft. It was interesting that the Pirates gave Bubba Chandler, I think his slot number was, I want to say 850,000. Does that sound right? Maybe 900, 850, I think. And Bubba Chandler got 3 million. Did you hear that? Bubba got 3 million. He was gonna. He was already had signed a letter of intent to play quarterback at Clemson. He indicated he was going to go to the Pirates instead, and I guess instead of getting his eight fifty slot number, he got three million. So if you're wondering where the extra two million went from the Henry Davis contract, it went to Puppet Chandler. Where does that leave Lonnie White? And that we don't know. And James said today, it seemed two days ago like Lonnie had made up his mind or was at least right there close to making the final decision. He says today, nobody's sure. And I think you have, I think under the current Major League Baseball draft rules, I think you've got until August 1st to sign your deal. Okay. And not only that, you actually get American dollars as opposed to the dreaded suit coin. (laughs) All I learned today was we learned what the definition of fluff was, and that was that Kevin Warren press conference. I learned that the suit's version of cryptocurrency is worthless. <laughs> You'll be here with me tomorrow. That's right. Looking forward with to your, it. With your beautiful family. Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing them. <laughs>